If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. We are in John chapter 1. Please read with me. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning, this morning that we get to celebrate the rising of Jesus from the grave. Lord, what an amazing story, but we know that it's true, which makes it that much more amazing. Lord, we thank you that we are all able to be here together. We, we thank you for the amazing music we've been able to, uh, to witness and hear this morning and to enjoy. Lord, I thank you that we have been brought closer to you. Lord, I thank you that because of Jesus' sacrifice and rising from the grave, we have an opportunity to be a part of your family. Lord, that you have torn the veil in two so that we may have full access to you. What a story. Lord, I ask that you would bless the rest of our service here today. Lord, I know it's Easter and that we, we like to do different family traditions throughout the day. But Lord, I ask that none of them would diminish what you have done for us in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, that we would focus on you for every part of this day. Lord, make us so attentive to what you would speak into our hearts this morning. Lord, help us to enjoy the fellowship of our brothers and sisters around us. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A true story is told of Mendelssohn, the master composer who finally put the music, choral music, to Handel's Messiah. He heard of a church that had recently purchased and installed a brand new organ and he was interested to go there and to try his best to try to play it. As he entered the church, he was greeted by the sexton of the church whose primary goal was to make sure nobody touched that organ. Not knowing who Mendelssohn was, the individual, as he was greeted by Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn asked him, may I play the organ? No, no, no. 
you're not allowed to play that organ. I have my orders. You cannot play that organ. Besides, do you understand how much that organ cost us to put that organ in? Oh, no, only the church organists are allowed to play that organ. Mendelssohn once again pleaded with him and said to him, Oh, but I've come such a far distance. I would love to play that organ. Please let me play that organ. No, you cannot play that organ. And in fact, let me show you the door to the exit of the cathedral. Mendelssohn saw, you don't need to do that. I would just like to play the organ. Knowing full well the individual could not get this person bothering him out of the church quick enough, he said, okay, you can play it for one minute. And Mendelssohn went up and sat at the grand seat that was there and began to pull a few of the knobs and ready to play. And when he began to play, the sexton was amazed. He let him play for an hour. And he went up to him and said, Sir, what is your name? My name is Mendelssohn. The Saxon was so embarrassed that he didn't recognize him that he began to apologize and say, Sir, anytime you're in the area, please come and play our organ. I wonder how many people through this weekend haven't recognized Jesus either. Uh, they have uh, familiarity recognize that at least on the calendar, it's printed Easter. But do they really understand all that happened during that time? From the time of Jesus' entrance into the city of Jerusalem on the donkey to now when he had been crucified just three days before, res res raised from the dead, I wonder how many people really understand. I was amazed as I, if you drive on Route 147 going toward uh, Sunbury from here, before you get into the little hamlet of Herndon, there's a, a road sign and it's split in half. Maybe some of you have already seen it. And, and it simply just says this, it's not this, it's this. And on the one side, it's an Easter bunny and eggs and all of that. And on the other side, it's the picture of the empty tomb. Really, that's what it is all about. But this morning, I want to do just a little bit differently. You might remember from last week, we spoke on some of the things that cause danger when you come to the passages of Scripture. Because of familiarity, we say, okay, pastor, get on with it. The roast is burning, the ham or whatever you're having, we got to get out of here. Uh, haven't we heard enough? We, we, we love the video that said, yes, he's our king. We love it. Okay, can we just get out of here? Familiarity causes us to lose sight. And then there's the creativity. When we try to make something out of it that's not there. And I didn't want to try to do that this morning. I wanted to go to a passage that is not normally done on a, quote, resurrection Easter morning. But the question, the passage poses a question. 
And the question is this, who is Jesus to you? Who's Jesus to you? I see that there are at least six proofs or at least six identities of who Jesus is in these short passages. But to fully understand what the Apostle John was getting at, you have to recognize who he was writing to. Not only the Gospel of John, but 1 John has the equal chore of trying to convince individuals that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. It's called, if you will, the hypostatic union. He's writing to those who are Gnostics, who only believe in the spiritual realm. That is really what is important. Not recognizing that Jesus in the physical realm is also just as important. And so John begins his treatise of trying to convince these people, and maybe some here this morning, that you're wrestling with the question, who is Jesus, really? Who is he really? It's not long before you gauge yourself into study of foreign religions that you'll come across things like this. Well, he was a good man, or he was a prophet. And, and they neglect the fact of it is, is that he is fully God and fully man. So if you would just give me a few minutes of your time, I would like to at least introduce you to the thoughts as, as Pastor Steve read this passage as to who Jesus Christ is. The first one, if you wish to take notes, that's fine. If not, then make a paper airplane of it and fly it around in your house this afternoon. But the first thing that I see in this passage is this, is that Jesus is God. That's who he is. He is God. In verse 1, John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ, as, as you go down and, and you get into verse 14, you'll recognize the fact that John continues this thought that it says, and the word became flesh. The descriptiveness of that is so beautiful. It is so dynamic that we have a savior, dear people, that not only is perfect God, but he is also a perfect human being who knows and understands everything that we struggle with. He was tempted in all ways like us, yet without sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the adopted ones of God. He humanly hung upon the cross, and yes, even cried out, it is finished. Everything that needed to be done to satisfy a holy God was performed by this one called Jesus. He is God. Now, I know you're trying to wrap your mind around that. When you do write a book, you'll become rich because no one yet has captured the full understanding 
of this one named Jesus who is God and yet at the same time humanity perfect in all of its realm and yet he died how is it that God dies how is it oh I I wish I could explain it more clearly to you but I can't because I can't fully understand it. And so many years of sitting in theology classes and learning from professors that are a lot smarter than I, (laughs) even some of my professors who wrote the textbook that we were studying could not fully explain it. How do you, how is a finite mind able to comprehend infinity? Who is God? Oh, one day we will. For we will see him face to face. And tell of his glory. Saved by grace alone. May I give you the second thing that I see. That Jesus is eternal. He always was. In fact, he never was. He never, never was. I know you're not supposed to use two negatives in a sentence, but he always was. There was not a time when he wasn't. There was not even a millisecond, even before we begin to read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. Jesus was there. It's the triune Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing eternally, co-equally in the realm of yet that which I long to see, glory. He is eternal. It says he was in the beginning with God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. He existed even before that monstrous telescope that has cost taxpayers billions and trillions of dollars to send out there to take pictures to try to prove how everything came into being. All they got to do is go to the text and they'll find out how it all came into being. Oh, there's nice pictures out there. Have you seen some of them? Pictures of the galaxies. Fantastic star formations. And guess what? They all proclaim the glory of God. Every one of them. Which brings us to the third. It's this. That Jesus is the creator. You know why they're there? For his glory. Do you know why you're here? For his glory. Do you know why the robins and the flowers and the bees? Do you know why they're here? For his glory and they are all proclaiming who Jesus is. For it says in verse 3, For without him, nothing would exist that is made. Everything was made by him and for him and for his glory as a witness 
Oh, the other day, my wife and I, we had the privilege. It was one of those dark days, you know, the overcast days. But we were coming back, and we were traveling on Mountain Road, and all of a sudden, this huge beam of light cracked through the clouds to the ground. And all I could think about is, is that how it's going to be when Jesus says, come home? All the glory. And I couldn't help. If I wasn't driving, I'd have closed my eyes and gave a hallelujah. But that would have scared my wife half to death. <laughs> He's the creator. Everything that there is. And let me give you a deeper insight to that. That in Colossians chapter 1, if he's not the creator, then nothing can exist. The air that you're breathing is because he created it. The energy that you have from that wonderful breakfast we had this morning. We had chefs, but God created them. They're here to serve us. And all for his honor and glory. He is God. He is eternal. He is the creator of all there is. Fourthly, if I may give it to you, he is life. Jesus Christ is life. It says in verse 4, in him is life. And this life is the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. He still shines. Life. He is life. Oh, that other individuals who maybe be in our communities, our neighbors, our co-workers, if they would realize fully that there is more to this life than what they're hanging on to. Jesus Christ offers eternal life. Where it says that he shall never perish. Never perish. He's life. In him is life. And number five, if I may. Jesus is light. He's the light of all mankind. Oh, I wish I could uh, take an hour to lead you into a study of the light that is in Jesus Christ. But time is slipping away. But there is one more thing that you need to know who Jesus is. It's this. He's the savior of mankind. Do you know him? That's the key issue. You see, Jesus didn't go to the cross and rise from the tomb just to put on a show. No. He satisfied the holiness of God by willingly laying down his life. In fact, there was a time when he struggled with that. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he, he asked the Father, if there's any other way that this can be done, but not my will, your will be done. And it was, it was a situation where God demands a perfect sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And he provided Jesus. 
And for three, 33 and a half years, some discrepancy there, but for 33 and a half years, he walked this earth. For three years, he ministered with his disciples. The Gospel of John records eight fantastic miracles that Jesus did in order to prove who he is. And yet, even in that, the disciples didn't understand. They didn't understand until the resurrection. I can't think of a better day to introduce you to someone whom you may have questions about. His name is Jesus. And what is so fantastic is he doesn't want you to have questions. He wants you to have answers. And the answers are in the word of God. The, ans the, the answers that are described for us in the scriptures are as simple as this. He that has the Son has life. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In him is light. And it's the light of, 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 of life. And darkness cannot comprehend it. It can't shut it down. It can't enclose it. It can't stop it. And the best part of it is, is he did it all because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you with a kind of love that is indescribable because it's a kind of God love. It's a kind of love whereby you can't do anything to earn it. All you need to do is ask. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Uh, that's what all of this is about. Every moment of the gospel message is centered upon the death, burial, and resurrection. Can I give you the passage that you can look at that? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 2 down to verse 6. For it says, This gospel by which you are saved is this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Buried, he was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures and was seen of many. That's the gospel. And all you have to do is believe. Ask for it. Lord, would you, would you count me as one of your children? I trust in what you've done to pay for my sin. And all I'm asking you is to forgive me. I can show you from the word of God that that is all you need to do. To be saved. To have a home in eternity. The girls sang it so well. I was a prisoner. But now I'm not. All because of the cross of Christ. Do you know him today?
I, I beg of you. I, I'm, I'm like the Apostle Paul. I find myself in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 saying these things that I would almost would be willing to be accursed for that all of you would come to know Jesus Christ. That's what his, his prayer was for all of Israel. Paul, Paul said, I would be willing to be sent to hell in order that all of you would go to heaven. But guess what? He didn't have to do that because Jesus paid the price. Do you know him? Let's pray together, shall we? I, I don't often do this, and, and, and I'm not requesting this to be done in any way of embarrassing anybody. But I do have a question for you. If you have a desire, if you would like to know more about how you can have eternal life, I want to pray for you. I want to talk with you. I want to show you from the word of God how you can know you can have eternal life if you would give me that privilege. But I don't know who you are unless you would signify that maybe by just slipping your hand up and say, Pastor, I'd like to talk to you. Would you pray for me? I'd love to talk to you about this. Is there anybody here this morning, anybody here that would like to know how they can have eternal life? I'm just asking you to slip your hand up and just put it down. Just do it quickly. No one looking around. Anybody? I know that sometimes that you may feel embarrassed by that. My wife and I are going to be out in the center doors. And if you would like to talk to me, please don't leave. If you'd like to talk to Pastor Steve, don't, don't leave. If you'd like to talk to one of our elders or deacons, don't leave. Pull them aside and say, can you show me how I can have eternal life? And we would love to do that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this morning. Your grace is boundless. Your love is so immense that we can't even begin to fully understand it. All we know is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, Lord God, by your spirit I ask that you would continue to work in the hearts of people that are here. And if there's anyone here who does not know you, who's not asked you to be their savior, then I ask, oh God, that you would instill in them the courage to talk to someone about this great transaction. And to you be the honor and the glory and the power and the dominion both now and forevermore. Amen.